Our next speaker is Jake Adams. He doesn't really need an introduction. Uh, he's been an avid aquarium hobbyist and a seasoned reef keeper. Uh, he started working back in the 90s and he's got over 10 years experience in the retail setting. He's been the managing editor of uh, reef, builders. reef Builders since 2008. Uh, and today he's gonna be talking about the fundamentals of reef equipment. So with that, I'll hand it over to Jake. Thank you, thank you for that introduction. Check, check, is my mic on? You everybody hear me? All right, so I, I want like most of you to come up uh, closer to the front because I'm gonna give a very short and sweet presentation and leave a lot of room for Q&A at the end. Um, but a little bit ho are hard of hearing, so if you're back there and you have some salient questions you want me to answer, I'm not gonna be able to hear you. <coughs> um, so, it's really great to be at MACNA again. Uh, the people who put on this show, they work really, really hard. So if you see some of these people walking around, staff, microphone in their ears, um, please just you know, tell them that you appreciate this event because it is a thankless job. No one's getting paid. We're doing this, they are doing this, uh, you know, pretty much volunteer for you guys. I run a show in Denver and in Australia, and it's a lot, a lot of work, okay? So this is a community event for you all. Now, I'm, I'm into all the different aspects of reef keeping, and if, but if you read reef builders, you know that like a lot of the times we're just talking about the news, the new stuff. You know, we try to frame ourselves as a uh, tech magazine for reef aquarium stuff, and so people always think that you know, I only want like exotic, crazy, weird aquarium products. You know, this is what people. Uh, generally expect of me. But um, it's not just about that. Just like when the way that people, every, anytime somebody asks me, what is your favorite fish? What's your favorite coral? My answer is always something like uh, a healthy fish, a healthy coral. And so I feel the same way about aquarium devices and aquarium products. Um, the best aquarium device is one that is perfectly suited to your application and that is installed and running properly, and that is clean. So here's an example of what I call like the nuclear reactor, calcium reactor. It's got a lot of bells and whistles, um, and it's one of my favorite new toys that, if you haven't seen the, the Reef Builders YouTube channel, I cover a lot of different aquarium products there, and um, I show off things like this, but this thing works flawlessly. <coughs> Whoa, can we turn the mic down a little bit? It's really loud up here. <laughs> Um, but on the flip side, we have simple aquarium products like this new pump from Deltec. It has very few features, but it just performs. It just runs really, really well. And this, here's another example of a uh, exotic aquarium device. It's the MaxSpec Air Aqua Duo that just happens to have two outlets from one particular motor. In the American market, we don't really know what to do with that second outlet, but in Asia and in places where it's hot, you don't really set up a reef tank without getting a chiller pretty much at the same time, right? So when you have a perfect application for a particular device, um, things like the MaxPack Duo or the um, Deltec uh, calcium reactor can be the best device for that particular application. Um, Try not to cough into the to the mic. You guys, do you know what this is? 
This is a protein skimmer. So there's a lot of experimentation that companies do with certain devices that just maybe sometimes they seem good on paper, but they don't really, really work out that well. So I guess somebody in the Eheim boardroom decided, hey, let's have an all black protein skimmer so it won't get dirty inside. But you can't tell whether the thing is running or if it's running well or if it needs to be cleaned, anything. Um, same thing with the, the small protein skimmers. The small protein skimmers, barely have any power. When they're super clean, they just, they just almost work. And so these are the ones that kind of tend to clog very quickly. So those tiny protein skimmers, not so great. And uh, you guys have probably seen like a progression of interesting, unique features in protein skimmers, especially in the bubble diffuser plate. And this was you know, kind of a, a Hail Mary pass to try to reduce the turbulence even more with little pad wheels on each of the nozzles. The, the point is, like, this thing is just totally going to break. Those paddles are totally going to stick, and they're not going to function like they were intended to. So sometimes, when you read Reef Builders, you know, it is kind of my job to, to be a cheerleader about, and be optimistic about what people have put together, what new devices they've put together. And sometimes, um, it's just kind of silly and funny like this. And other times, the designers and the engineers, you know, they're in their own bubble, so they don't even know what's unique or interesting or how their particular device uh, shines or how it's different from other things on the market. So, you know, I know a lot of people, they read Reef Builders and they see like a lot of high, lots of dollar signs and, you know, big price tags. But my favorite part is helping people uh, get the most out of their reef aquarium equipment by selecting the, you know, the, the device that's perfect for your application, um, installing it properly, and keeping it clean. Um, so this is a really cool uh, example, right? This is um, the sample of my Red Sea uh, Peninsula uh, tank. And the Great White Skimmer is, is a decent protein skimmer, but I feel like it's a little bit finicky. So it definitely took me some time to figure out exactly how to install it uh, in this particular aquarium and get that really nice, rich, thick head of, of protein skimming. Um, so you can't really just put this thing in a sump and you can't really put any protein skimmer in a sump and just you know, do a couple of tweaks and expect it to run perfectly. A protein skimmer is something you, you have to form a relationship with it. You have to kind of get to know it. You, know? you have to understand, okay, um, you know, what is the, especially controllable skimmers, you have to figure out you know, what is the best water level for it to be inside of. As you'll see in this example, I actually made a little platform just to raise it up a couple inches because it's easier to do that than to change the water level in the sump. Um, you also want to figure out the ideal water level inside the protein skimmer. Like this one. And you also you know, want to adjust the airflow going into the protein skimmer. And then if you have a DC pump, it's also there's, like, there's a sweet spot of water level outside the skimmer, inside the skimmer, water intake, air intake. And it takes some time to really familiarize yourself with that particular piece of equipment. So that applies to everything. That applies to your, the lights over your, your tank, that applies to your dosing on your tank, or whatever devices you have. Um, you really should you know, like spend some time with it and get to know it. Don't just go through the motions of plugging things in and expect it to work optimally. So another one, another example that I like to, to use is, would you rather have a BMW that was 10 years old 
and hasn't had a water change, and it's got dry rotted tires, and it, you know, it's, it's got a leaky radiator, or would you rather have you know, a well-maintained new Kia or Hyundai if you're going on a road trip? You know, I know the BMW's got that flash and it's got that you know, cachet, but the Hyundai's in much better shape. And so this is just kind of an analogy I like to use to tell people like, there's, you know, there's, there's people who just kind of throw money at the hobby and they don't really engage with their tank or their equipment or what it is they're trying to achieve. And cheaper, affordable protein skimmers from China are, have gotten really, really good, but I will take a well-installed, well-dialed-in protein skimmer, a Chinese protein skimmer, than you know, a $2,000 Swiss handcrafted you know, uh, protein skimmer made out of marble. Right, so a, 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 you, I see this all the time. You see these you know, expensive aquarium equipment that's just not used to its full potential. But other times, people pay really close, close attention to uh, entry-level gear, and if you you know tune it up really, really well, it's going to outperform uh, you know the protein skimmer with a lot of zeros. So here's here's another uh, cool example. This is the. Uh, High door, this is not the Coralia. Um, KPS, Coralia Pump Small. Um, this, this is one of those pumps that really f gets all of its performance and its uh, gains by being really efficient. But what that means is it's kind of low power. I want to say this thing is like five or six watts. When you put it into a tank, it really totally rips. It, it, so much water flow. It's like $99, controllable through an app. So there's a lot of fun things you can do with this. On the flip side, you guys are all familiar with this pump. This pump should deserve, deserves like a lifetime performance award for the aquarium hobby. This pump is hot. It is noisy. It is loud and noisy. It'll rattle. And it might not restart you know, when there's a power interruption. But you can always get that thing restarted as long as it's not totally broke, you know? What these two devices have in common is like they work really, really well when they're clean, when they're new, and they're you know, run basically in a sterile environment. But both of these, the Coralia pump, if you start getting it a little bit clogged up, your flow is just gonna just precipitate. It's gonna be so much lower because you have a very high surface area, a very small surface area relative to the volume of water that's going through it. So the tiniest little leaf, the tiniest little piece of algae, I mean, you guys know, that's, that's your tanks just produce funk and filth and biofilm. And so that pump, I mean, within a couple months, if you're not really staying on top of it and cleaning it, it's just gonna completely just stall, basically. And same thing with the, uh, the, the mag drive. Because it's a hot pump, and we have very mineral-rich uh, water in our reef tanks, and we dose calcium and magnesium and carbonate, the heat inside that pump tends to precipitate those minerals around the impeller, right? So if you don't clean that regularly, it's gonna be even louder and it's not gonna restart. And the problem with that is as it starts to choke, it gets even hotter inside and it's gonna precipitate even more inside. So um, the rest of this talk is about cleaning your aquarium equipment. I'm, I'm not kidding. Every time I'm presented with a, a, with a topic, I, I wanna go two directions. One, either I just wanna purely entertain you, show you nothing but eye candy and make sure you leave with a smile. Or two, I want you to, 
take something from the talk and go home and, and, and feel inspired to do something right away. So this talk, I'm gonna inspire you to go clean some stuff. All right, <coughs> I'm just gonna kind of go through some of the major pieces of Reef Aquarium equipment because again, when you have it clean, when you have it dialed in, it's gonna perform like day one. Um, so the gyre pumps are really excellent. Anybody here have gyre pumps in their tanks? I know some of you guys do. Um, the only thing about this pump is it has so many intakes, so many outlets, so many little blades, plus uh, you know, the spinning central impeller and the spindles. Um, this has so much surface area for funk and precipitate to build up. Even just a little bit of biofilm will significantly slow it down. But if you're not looking, you're just looking at your controller. Your controller says it's running 80% or whatever. But just a little bit of biofilm on that uh, turbine impeller thingy will slow it down significantly because it's, it's really fine-tuned to, to spin a very lightweight rotor. So as soon as you get just any kind of growth on there, these, these things will uh, dramatically slow down. This is something I'm learning even more now that I have uh, that red sea tank that has two of these. Um, I, I still love the pump. It's not the easiest thing to clean, but uh, at the Reef Builder Studio, we definitely take uh, cleaning and servicing very, very seriously. Um, some other pumps. So this is an example of a pump that actually has um, maybe a little bit more practical uh, design as far as having really open vents and really, really big blades. And uh, same thing with the, the CJ Extreme. It's got kind of those vertical slats. So even if it, there is some buildup on there, it's not choking the flow too much. You know, I, sometimes I'll get a call where somebody asks me if... Um, I know why their pump is stalled or broken. And you've heard this, I, I worked retail for a long time where somebody's like, oh man, that pump lasted a year and a half, I had to replace it. I'm like, did you, did you open it? Did you clean it? Did you do anything? Or, but a lot of times these people are just, they won't even bother to just go to the store and like buy a brand new one. And that pump that just stalled, it needs like five minutes. These five minutes of attention just to be clean. Just So this is another piece of advice, like when you get like a new pump or a new protein skimmer, take everything apart. Get to know it, know the, the fittings, know, you know how it's put together when it's clean, because I'm, I promise you, when it's dirty and it's precipitated, it's gonna be so hard to take apart, like you might just give up. But if you know how pieces come apart, it's gonna be a lot easier when it comes time to maintain it or to service it because it's stuck for some reason. Um, look at this tiny little pump. It's got a tiny little blade. This pump is, works really well when it's super duper clean, but that tiny little blade um, is very easy to break. It's very easy to obstruct. Um, so even your power, your return pumps also need that kind of attention of like being cleaned. Um, so this is an example of kind of a newer pump. And this is oftentimes about as far as anybody will get in cleaning their pumps. It's just kind of cleaning the intake strainer. Um, but like I said, when you, anytime I have a new pump, uh, one of the first things I do is I take it apart to see how I'm going to take it apart in the future when it's dirty and it needs some servicing. And um, the other thing is, this is the business end of this particular pump, right? So it might be straightforward to access that and kind of you know, reach it and clean it, but there's more to it. You have to pull that whole assembly out 
and this is the impeller and the spindle, and if, it's, if there's a moving part that's in the aquarium, you need to know it. You need to get to it, you need to clean it, and for the return pumps, I was talking about the mag drive pumps earlier, um, as they heat up, they precipitate, you really should have some mild acids on hand. You know, there's a certain degree of mechanical cleaning that's gonna really help you know, keep your pumps clean, but at some point you do get this uh, mineral buildup, there's lime buildup, and that's when the, the acid will really help to just clean everything. So you can use powdered citric acid or vinegar, or if you're a little bit more daring like me, use a little sort of sulfuric acid, but only use that outside because it produces noxious fumes. I always take it outside. Let's see, all right, protein skimmers. Protein skimmers is one of those things that I started talking about because there's so many little parts and pieces that can clog, that can fail, and you, you want to be intimately familiar with your protein skimmer because, again, you plug it in, day one, it's a ton of foam. And just, just as a show of hands, who here has cleaned their Venturi valve, let's say, in the last month? Are you serious? Are you serious? There's like five of you cleaned your Venturi valve? Come on, guys. Come on, don't tell me that. Who's cleaned it in the last three months? Who hasn't cleaned their Venturi skimmer for like, valve for like six months? Oh, God, you guys are killing me. You're killing me right now. You should be cleaning your Venturi valve like every two weeks. You guys know there's like salt buildup inside of that valve, right? I'm gonna skip ahead of this part. I thought you guys would know about this one. The venturi valves, the, where the air comes in, right where the air comes in, that little nipple right there. It is the simplest thing to do. You don't even have to turn off your protein skimmer. You take a little bit of hot, fresh water and you just you know, pour it on the intake. You guys aren't doing this like all the time? I'm, I'm astounded because this is step one <laughs> of cleaning or of maintaining your protein skimmer. And this actually drives home the point why I need to give this talk every two weeks. Every two weeks. If you live in a drier climate, you might need to do it more often. But you know, I've talked to a lot of people about their protein skimming uh, experience. You know, they put a protein skimmer in and it works great. They get it dialed in. You know, a week later, water level's a little bit lower. So they'll, they'll, you know, they'll raise the water level with the valve. A couple weeks later, they do a little bit more. A couple weeks later, they do a little bit more. And then six months later, you know, they've got the water level cranked as much as possible. And the protein skimmer, yeah, it just doesn't seem to be skimming like it used to. And the, the easy, one of the first step, <laughs> first easy step is just clean the venturi. You don't manually have to do anything. Just put some fresh, hot, fresh water in the intake line. And you know what happens then? Your skimmer is running so much that it overflows because you've been turning up that water level, you know, for months and months and months. Does this sound familiar to anybody? No? <laughs> <coughs> well, modern skimmers are a lot better, but this is step one, this is step one. And that Venturi valve, if, uh, skip ahead. If that's not familiar, if, not, if that's not something which is familiar to you, that's gonna be found right on the face of, the, uh, of your needle wheel pump. Um, so some protein skimmers have the pump externally and some have them internally, but step one, step one is clean that air intake because um, it creates salt creep. And again, over a long period of time, like say six months to a year, um, the, the, if you don't do it regularly, you'll actually have uh, some lime buildup there and you wanna get to that, to that part and that piece and uh, give it like a, a small acid bath. So that's, that's step one. 
Um, some other moving parts of fibrous protein skimmers that if you don't clean those regularly, the new breed of skimmers, they just have a rod now instead of a valve and there's these little gears down below. If you don't clean that regularly, you're not gonna be able to adjust it. And the Red Sea reefer skimmers is something that comes to mind um, with those little gears. Sorry, so we talked about the venturi valve. Who's, who's gonna go home and clean their venturi valve almost immediately? All right, it should be everybody, right? It should be everybody. When I'm bored, I walk around with like a, you know, a, like a, a pitcher of hot seawater, of hot fresh water, and I just, just go to the intake, and just I'm gonna do this like every couple of weeks, and you can see, if I don't do it for a month, uh, you can really see you know, the air intake uh, change. That's the easy one, but the more importantly, to clean is your needle wheel, right? So we already talked about cleaning the motor and the inside of your pump. Don't be shy, you know, this stuff is actually made to be taken apart. It's not like your iPhones. Most of them, you don't need any tools, right? It's just thumb screws and a twist of the face and like, this is something you should be doing to get the most out of your protein skimmer. So I think I'm definitely have a good point that the best Aquarium products are the ones that are well maintained and well serviced and properly installed. So the needle wheel is something that, you know, it's made to chop up air and water. You guys probably all know that. Um, but this is, this is one, you see all those little pins and all those little crevices. These things get particles and, and clog all the time. They, your skimmer could still be running but you'll have the same issue where you just keep turning up the water level because as these clog, they just can't really uh, take in as much air or as much water as they could on day one. So I know this one's a little bit more daunting. It's not as easy as just pour a little hot fresh water to the intake, but get in, if you haven't ever cleaned your protein, who here has never cleaned their protein skimmer? Don't be shy. Somebody here has never cleaned their protein skimmer. I'm sure, I'm not talking about the cup, I'm talking about the pump. All right, well, you don't, you don't have to admit it, but I know there's some of you out here that just have never cleaned it. Get in there, open it up, and especially the needle wheels, like I said, they, they will catch sand and shells and little bits of tube worms. And this is actually really important to keep this part clean, not just for protein skimmer performance, but also for the longevity of the pump, because as soon as one little particle gets in there, it starts being unbalanced and that can lead to noise, and eventually that leads to uneven wear, and then eventually that leads to a broken pump, and then that's gonna cost you money where you could have just gotten there and keeping it clean. And the thing is too, the more clogged your needle wheels get, the more they, they clog up even faster, because now you have even more things to kind of trap those out. So, um, so yeah, this is something that, uh, you know, depending on your particular setup, you really should take the entire pump apart, probably like three to six months. It's not like a bi-weekly maintenance, but man, you should know what your needle wheel looks like, because also over time, those pins, they just break off, right? So if you want your protein skimmer to really work, you need to spend some quality time with your protein skimmer. This is a little bit newer. <coughs> Dosing pumps, um, really, they've been around forever, but in the last, let's say, three years, every company is offering dosing pumps. Um, and there's only one moving part in, in this particular device, and that's the motors. Um, but the heads themselves, um, the peristaltic tubic inside, as it's used up, it becomes compressed and it doesn't pump nearly as much anymore. So there's two ways to service these. Um, uh, on just like the protein skimmer, on a regular basis, 
you should probably run a good amount of fresh water through them. Just, just purge that line with some fresh water because uh, our two and three part solutions are really concentrated these days, especially the calcium one. And you're always pulling from the bottom of a container and you do get these little uh, mineral buildup at the bottom of the container and those can get caught in the line and that will affect the accuracy of your dosing, so how much you're actually dosing to your tank. And also they will you know, put some wear and tear on the tubes themselves. So uh, it's kind of the first straightforward way to prevent some of that it's just, just assume it's clogging all the time. Just run you know, you know, a few ounces of, of fresh water through them. Uh, I, what I try to tell people is every time you, you refill your container, you know, that's, a, that's a good best practice. Just every time you're refilling your calcium, alkalinity, magnesium, and some of your other traces, um, just go ahead and run a bunch of fresh water through it. So the way to service these two on a long timeline, these things, they don't just last forever, right? So. Uh, some companies, you can just kind of take that head off and you can change the tubing yourself. And that's for the, like, the nicer heads, the high pressure, higher precision dosing pump heads. The peristaltic tubing is really cheap. You just cut a tiny little piece, put it in there, let the rollers catch it again. Um, but for some of the cheaper ones, not that one. <laughs> Some of the cheaper ones, actually those, those heads are completely disposable. You, you can just literally just pull it right off and pop a, a brand new one on. Um, but the cool thing about uh, cheap, thanks for joining us, Evan. <laughs> um, but the cool thing about all dosing pumps, including the cheap ones, is they can be calibrated. So that's another thing that I don't think people are doing or doing nearly often enough because the calibration is only as good as that tubing has, is unchanged, you know? Um, so if you have a dosing pump, when you first set it up is generally when you do your calibration. But if you want to get a little, you know, accurate dosing, whether you have a very expensive dosing pump or a very cheap one, you really should be calibrating it. And in that first time, you know, it's gonna be a little bit of a pain in the booty. It's gonna be a little bit tough. You're gonna to have to look at some manuals, but the more often you do it, you'll just remember how to calibrate it. So this is another important thing to do for uh, your dosing pump. Basically, anything that has moving part. Lights. You don't think of servicing your lights, but a lot of us have pets. A lot of us are hairy beasts. And uh, you know, homes build up a lot of dust and a lot of dander. So here's two different lights, um, both from Illumagic. Magic. They both have a heat sink, but the center one um, actually has a, a cooling fan to drive air over it. And the other one is a little bit more passive. So there's a lot of designs for LED lights that really leverage this passive cooling ability. But once again, it's like in a clean room. So over time, dust builds up, dander builds up. Um, it will totally impede the exchange, the passive exchange of air from the heat sink. And that's gonna lead to your LEDs running a little bit too hot and it's gonna lead to them failing prematurely. We don't, those, our lights are expensive, right? So just a little wipe down. This is, this is actually more like a once a year thing. So it's not quite as critical, but uh, you know, this, I love my AI Prime, but it's got a tiny, tiny little in the inlet fan. It's really, really fine uh, mesh grill on top. And this is one of those things, you know, every three months to six months, or just look at it, depending on your environment, uh, you know, really important to keep that top grill uh, clean. 
And uh, here's another example, the Kessel. Who here's got some Kessel lights at, at home? Yeah, I cannot tell you how many Kessels I have rescued because it's an awesome light, but after three to five years, if you've never opened it up and cleaned it, um, it's just gonna build up a ton of dander. This is actually the new design, which they've compressed. Um, only thing I can knock Kessel on is that don't make it easy to get to it. But don't be shy, once again, just find those two screws. You'll, you'll find them, find those two screws, get some compressed air, or, or get some compressed air and just blow in there. Just, so a lot of people said, oh, my Kessel, you know, it, it comes on and it cuts off. Well, that's because it's overheating, right? So it'll run for a little while and then it'll overheat and it'll shut it off to, to, uh, to preserve itself, right? That's a, that's a good problem to have because you can fix it like that. Just, just blow some fan off it. I mean, I know I'm not gonna keep asking you guys questions. I know some of you have pets. You know, you, if you've never cleaned any of the fans on your LED lights, you're gonna be surprised at what you find. And it's not just about preserving the lights, so the, the life of the LEDs. They all have like an internal thermometer or thermostat. And as the lights get hotter, because there's no airflow, the, the, the fan will spin faster. So over time, you know, if you have the LED lights, if you've never cleaned them, um, it's gonna get quite loud. <coughs> On the flip side, this is the new Red Sea Reflade, and they made a, a top cover that pops right off specifically so that you can clean it. Who here, who here has never cleaned their LED lights? Come on, I know more of you have never cleaned your LED lights. Everything that has a moving part needs some kind of servicing. All right, so this is kind of on a different note. This is more like the, the pop quiz, the last, the last question for you. This is a, a macroalgae reactor. It's gonna be filled with water. It's got a light down the middle, and it's gonna, it's gonna grow some algae, but can you, how many things can you find that are going to need servicing on this particular device? Just this part, not the pump. This is the kind of critical thinking I want you to apply to every part of your tank, you know? Um, this thing's gonna grow algae inside. It's gonna clog up probably the intake, and there's that tiny little outlet. It's probably gonna clog up um, those grills. It's gonna, algae's gonna grow both on the lid and right around the light. So without sort of regular servicing, this thing's just gonna become an algae bomb. I do love uh, macroalgae reactors, and I love this movement and this trend to produce more of them, but it's a new set of things that we need to learn how to clean. Not quite done. All right, so I've covered some of the you know, major pieces of aquarium equipment that you should be keeping clean, but it doesn't end there. Everything that could be maintained, it needs to be maintained. You know, we know to wipe off the lenses off of our lights, um, float switches, you know, you need to clean your float switches because they're gonna build up grime. They are right at that air-water interface where minerals build up, where grime builds up. And if you don't clean it and you have uh, it stick on and it feeds your tank a bunch of fresh water and your tank dies, I'm not gonna feel sorry for you because you didn't clean that one tiny little part. You know, people always ask me like, Jake, you have 15 tanks or whatever and you leave the studio for months at a time or aren't you worried? And I'm like, no, because I clean this stuff all the time. Nothing just, ran it's very rare for things to just up and break. 
just doesn't happen. So clean your lenses, clean your float switch, clean your float valve, which I'm more of a fan of the float valve than float switches. Heaters, clean your heaters. I was talking to you about the heat and the, the relationship between heat and precipitation. You, you, everyone here knows someone who's had a tank crash because their heater stuck on. You know, that, those heaters, they, again, they don't usually just break out of thin air. That since they're hot, a lot of times people will put them in the corner of their sump and they'll get hot locally and they will uh, build up a load of precipitate of the minerals. And what does that do? That insulates it, that makes it get hotter. And then you just have this kind of runaway reaction where the heater is just covered in uh, calcium basically and eventually it's just gonna you know, burn up from the inside. Probes, I guess this one's kind of self-evident. You know, there's not much to do. Just take a soft bristle brush and make sure your thermostat, your, uh, your temperature probes, your pH probes, your ore probes, and you know, make sure they get a, a nice cleaning and light rinsing. Cooling fans, not just for your lights, but you know, some of us uh, can rely on just a little bit of, of passive cooling from the tank, so it's another thing to keep clean. And valves. Valves, I have no sympathy for people whose valves stick on because they never cleaned it. I'm talking about two, three, four years on the road. If you have any kind of valve, um, a lot of you probably have uh, uh, noise quieting drains now that have a valve. You wanna open that up all the way, close it all the way, keep it clean. All your ball valves, everything that has a possible moving part that you're gonna need to move you know, in the future or, or, or soon, um, you want to adjust it. So I know this is not like the most entertaining talk, but I can see from the look on your faces, some of you know you've got some, some homework to do, right? Who, who here has thought of one thing they want to do their take when they go home? I think it's most of you. So this is really important, you know, it's not... It's not the, the top of the page on the, any of the discussion forums. You know? This is not at the top of the list of things to discuss in your Facebook groups. But for me, this is part of the hobby, right? I enjoy cleaning the glass and seeing a beautiful reef inside. I enjoy cleaning my protein skimmer and the pumps and then seeing it work even more, even better, just like day one. And, but mostly, I really got into this rhythm because you know, when I was younger, I had a couple of tank crashes. They were always avoidable, always avoidable. You know, so um, at the studio, Evan will tell you, we, we clean things very regularly. Studio's been up uh, about one year. I think the Reef Octopus Skimmer, the larger one that's been running the longest, I have taken that out three times, three times, because you can just see it just doesn't make the clouds like it used to, so just take the entire thing, clean it all up top to bottom, put it back. You know, it's kind of meditative, so. With that in mind, I'm going to show you one video from the Great Barrier Reef. It has nothing to do with anything that I just talked about. It's just some eye candy to just kind of change the, the mood a little bit. And uh, I hope you, first of all, I want to thank everybody for coming out this morning early on. I know the show floor just opened, but you guys, uh, you know, really made me feel welcome. I hope you learned something from this talk. Um, like I said, it's not like the most exciting thing, but it's really, really important, especially if you're leaving home. So last piece of advice is if you're going to clean your protein, your, any of your aquarium devices uh, before leaving home to try to get that leave peace of mind, try to do like a week in advance. Don't do it the day before, but do it a week in advance. And then when you're gone, you're going to have that peace of mind that, you know, my protein skimmer is cranking, my pump is not clogged, everything is clean, and there's very, very little chance for, for issues to arise while you're gone. So with that, 
I thank you very much, and I would, I'm going to take as many questions as I can until the next speaker comes in.